Hi you guys, it's Betsy Beers again, and this is Scandal Revealed, the exclusively official podcast for Scandal, the television programming, which of course airs on Thursday nights at 10 o'clock on ABC. And I am super excited to be talking this week about what we should sort of call our semi-season finale. It's our pre-holiday finale, and we have a very special guest who's crucial and key component to this amazing episode of television you guys just watched, Kate Burton, who we know and love, who um, plays, of course, Sally Langston, Kate, a.k.a. Sally, a.k.a. Ellis Gray, just for those folks who've <laughs> forgotten, because she, she died but came back in flashbacks a couple Correct. of times, a mm-hmm. few times. She's wearing a beautiful sort of camel brown cashmere coat with a lovely green scarf, which highlights her spectacularly auburn <laughs> red hair. And is looking very sparkly and gorgeous, I think. And um, I wish you could see it because it's a nice coat. And I may end up with the coat by the H&M, end of this podcast. By the way, H and M, you guys. H and M. Good shout out. <laughs> Apparently affordable, affordable, fashionable. Love it. I'm dressed as Mrs. Claus. <laughs> um, it was a good idea at the time, but I'm going to say the padding is a little cumbersome. But you know, you, you do what you have to do for the holidays. Okay, so you, this episode, yes. this episode was crazy balls. Yes. Sally killed her husband. Correct. And then participated in covering it up. Yes, it was a crazy episode, and we had to shoot it very, very fast because I forget what there was, like, scheduling issues. And so the oddest experience for me is that we shot this in two intense days, and then I was on a cruise in the Caribbean, which was so strange. But um, I will tell you... <laughs> the life of the, the non-Sally Langston. Exactly. That was a hoot and a holler, covered in blood. As usual, the storytelling is what makes this show so phenomenal. And so, of course, you realize at the end of the previous episode, of course, she's done this terrible thing. But what's extraordinary about this episode is that you get then get a backstory. You sort of go backward a little bit, so you get, like, how this happened. So that was kind of great. I mean, and that's the exciting thing about doing this kind of work, is that you go forwards, you go backwards, up, down, sideways. And we do these little flashbacky things a lot, which is a a device that is very interesting, I think, for our storytelling. Because you learn things like, just a few episodes ago, we learned a whole backstory thing about Bellamy's character, Melly Grant, that was a complete revelation. Oh, and you know, that was changed people's whole opinion. Because you realize what she's been through. She's not just this, you know, kind of power behind the throne trying to make, you know, all these decisions. You know, and again, all of these characters are human beings and have multiple levels. And so, you know, the thing that's always so interesting, I mean, I always used to say, you know, you can say what you like about Sally Langston, but she's the only person who hasn't murdered anybody. However, that is no longer true. And I actually remember we did a podcast last season where you were like, you know, it's really nice because she's super straightforward. I'm feeling my hands are super clean. Okay, yes. You know, I'm a Bible thumper. I have very strong feelings about the moral right. And that is Sally Langston's prerogatives. And by the way, Nice purple prose recently. You've you've been I've you've been, been give, spinning I've out been some given, I've spinning been out some, some nice good phrases. Stuff. Oh yeah. Well, she's an amazing speaker, and I mean, in a weird way, one of the things that's been so interesting for me to play her is how she talks, because she doesn't talk. What I find so great about this show is every single character has their own voice. Yeah. They don't talk like each other. 
And so it makes it so interesting to play. And the way Sally, she speaks in paragraphs. She speaks in paragraphs that have sort of a biblical, certainly a biblical. They, they, they feel like biblical verse. And that's how she thinks. That's how she talks. I mean, how extraordinary to express yourself like that. It's true. It's funny. It's, it's like she always talks like she's preaching. And even when she's just saying to Melly, um, you're a sight for sore eyes or yeah. some amazing piece of bull poo. Yeah. That she's throwing in somebody's face to try yeah. to get them off her back so she can get down the hall and do something sneaky. Right. It still comes out like the most amazingly mellifluous yes. phraseology and confidence. You sort of feel yeah. like she's on a pulpit. Well, and because I'm a liberal Democrat from New York City, for me, <laughs> it's hilarious. But the also just like her southernisms. Oh, yeah. You know, like in our first year, that, that dog, dog won't, won't hunt. hunt. Mr. President, <laughs> that dog won't hunt. That was like my favorite moment. And when she slaps down Cyrus last episode. Yes, I've stabbed the pig through its belly. I didn't know what that meant either. But no, we had, I mean, but that's what's so fascinating about Cyrus and Sally, which their relationship always is hilarious. I mean, you know, the way they both look at each other like, who are you? I don't even know who you are. And they both really don't. I mean, and that's always makes for fantastic dramatic tension, which is why we love Cyrus and Sally they should go on the uh, road together. They absolutely should because it would be like the best tour ever. Oh my God. I mean, absolutely like the well, best tour ever. Well, that's also, I mean, and for me, I mean, listen, Jack Coleman, I mean, he's so fantastic as my oh, fabulous so husband. And you know, the way we, the way we talk to each other, though our relationship was so interesting. You saw so many different levels in our, and then this, our new Leo Bergen, Paul Adelstein. Oh, who's amazing. Who is amazing. And he and I also have these hilarious scenes together, which feel like, you know, like that there's literally a language barrier because. Well, and what's funny about that too is it's, Leo is one of the only characters I've ever seen who actually, Sally becomes a fifth grader. Yeah. But there's the hysterical moment with the pen in the other episode. Yeah. Where essentially you, you roll back on your heels a little bit. Yeah. And then this episode, which we always sort of call like the Lady Macbeth episode where you're right. literally, will your hands ever be clean? But yes. That's the way he hammers at you is. Yeah. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Well, and it's also the thing of a truly great political opera would say I mean he would basically say what he says which is you can do whatever you like once you get into office but to get you there we have to craft your opinions and you know I mean I think that's probably extremely true in real life I think you it's know absolutely I mean true we know life. certain presidents who've been promising things and then they get there and it's like holy moly but you know it's what's so interesting too is watching these powerful women you've got so many powerful women on your show you know, and how we have to navigate ourselves. You know, you've got Olivia Pope, you've got Melly Grant, you've got Sally Langston, you've got Quinn and um, Darby's character. And you know, all these women are trying to figure, and it's just such a, yet again, Shonda Rhimes, thank you so much. It's so interesting. And you know, it's the, the idea in a relationship in a couple, it's the feeling that one person is carrying the burden for the other person, yes. which seems to constantly be a theme too, which is the relationship with Sally Langston where she's sort of turned a blind eye to what's the fact, but she knows what the fact is. Right. And that whole speech, which is essentially, I've been carrying you for years. Yeah. And the feeling that between Melly and Fitz, which is that Melly's so much of her anger and resentment and frustration comes from the fact that she's done all these things right. that he doesn't necessarily know about. She has carried him in this yeah. way. And the way, you know, Olivia in her way has supported him mm -hmm. and how the relationship done. You even look at, you look at David Rosen and his relationship with Abby. And yes. This weird political game, which is starting yeah. between the two of them, which is we're dating and we're sleeping together. So therefore you have to check to find out if this woman can get off the no fly list. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
the strange then, bargaining that goes on with couples. Well, and also the, Olivia's father and mother. I mean, so it's all the about... The ultimate bargain. And then... Right, parents and children. James and Cyrus. Yeah, and James and Cyrus. Where, you know, the end of this episode is just, for that relationship, chilling. I mean, the bargain... I know. It's interesting, because we talked a little bit about last episode, a lot of the dynamics seem to be about one person in the relationship was a rat. Mm -hmm. You know, that somehow mm -hmm. or another, one person in each situation... One person turned out to be not who you thought they were going to be. Right, they're, right. They're playing for the other team, right, basically. Right. It's fascinating in this episode because it feels like it all crystallizes in this episode. Yeah. In this amazingly phenomenal way, ending with that crazy-ass moment where Maya's standing outside the White House basically saying, I'll, I'll be seeing you soon. And you right. think, holy crap-tastic. Well, the scene, the scene in, the, in, in this episode is that I, I, besides all the, you know, the stuff at the beginning, you know, where you realize, you know, Sally and Daniel Douglas go at it. And that honestly was a dreamy scene. To, I mean, it was an incredible scene to shoot. Uh, an amazingly hard, incredible day. What's really incredible about this episode is how many different things are going on at the same time mm -hmm. when you think about it. Because there's this gigantic Grand Guignol plot, which is occurring with you and the cover up and the medical examiner not doing anything that the yeah. great scene with Cyrus in the bedroom. Then you have this nutty thing going on with Quinn and Charlie and who is she going to be working for and Rowan and B613 and what the president's planning and Maya's running around out there and David Rosen and James. There's so many pieces being set into motion these last two episodes to me are just mind-boggling in that you're watching a chunk of this episode and you get so involved in the chunk of the episode, you forget about the whole other plot line. Right. And I found watching it that I got so involved in your plot line that when Quinn popped up just in the middle of a poo storm, I totally forgotten that that was even going on because there was so much stuff going on. It yeah. was just unbelievably terrifying yeah. and fascinating. Yeah. I know it's very, very, very good watching. And I think we leave an incredibly great cliffhanger for what's going to be coming up because with you, I don't know how that's going to work. No, it's a roller coaster. And because of course, and again, it's like who knows what, because the only certain people know because only certain people can know because they are also then in the cover-up. You know, so it's that's what's fantastic. So just suddenly she's in this unholy alliance with Cyrus and Melly. And there's a great there's this great moment that I love when you realize that Cyrus has told Melly and Melly comes to you and there's this look on your face, which is this confusing moment of fear, revulsion, frustration. It's like you can see like pretty much the big gamut of freaky emotions just drive past. But it's the same, which is like uh, one of my favorite moments in the entire series. When Cyrus shows you the pictures in the last which episode. Which I have not seen. Can you believe it? Oh, yeah, I'm so behind. It's OK, podcasters. <laughs> She's a busy lady. <laughs> I she hadn't seen it. It's OK. There's this moment when you look at the pictures and he hands you the pictures and the world passes okay. over your face in a millisecond. And you can see in your eyes this thing happen where it opens and then it shuts down again. And then you bitch slap his ass <laughs> in the most intensely phenomenal way. And he goes out with his tail between his legs and you're left with this expression. What's great about it is it makes then the revelation that you actually lost your crap so incredibly amazing. Good. And then when you see this past weeks, the way it's edited is... It's like a thing I've been it's, told. It's, been, it's, like, it's in pieces, which makes it 10 times more compelling. It's wow. just, it's, it's incredibly, it's, it's really, I really great. Wait. Did you, I vaguely remember talking to you about this at one point, but what did you use in terms of inspiration for Sally? Because you're really good with accents. You just tend to, my experience with you is you just slip into stuff. Well, if I can do it. I mean, of course, you know, the way it happened was that I arrived to do the first scene in 
episode five, I think it was, in the first season. And Shonda was on set, which was wonderful. And she turned to me literally <laughs> two minutes before and went, she's Southern. And it was like, huh? So, uh, yeah. But the good news is, we do that, you guys. I just love that. We do that stuff. Yeah. Good news that I can, that's an accent I can't sleep on too. But I have two very dear friends. One who's an actress, Dana Ivey, the great Dana oh, yeah. Ivey. She's from Georgia. And I would know she would not mind me saying that I, I know consciously or subconsciously, one of my oldest friends, that I am, I channel her because she could so easily, if she were 20 years younger, she would be playing this part. Um, and then the other person that I channel is a very wonderful friend of mine whose name is Alice Lee Boatwright. And she is a agent. Oh, at, Bodie. At Bodie Boatwright. Bodie Boatwright. Bodie Boatwright is one of my mother's best friends. Oh my God, I love Bodie. Bodie, Bodie actually got me through things. Oh like, yeah. I'm, Bodie is, and when I really think, you know, she's, that's I who I'm doing. I was trying to figure, I've never put that two and two together. Yeah, so you guys, it's Bodie. Bodie He's a very, very, very famous um, revered agent. Yes. Who lived in New York City and is um, handled lots and lots of really, really great people. Amazing people. Amazing directors, amazing actors, but mostly directors and writers. That's her major thing. It's just... Because what's so great is it's so different than Hollis's accent. Yes. Which is yes, much more yes, hardcore. Yeah. He's like from a total well, yeah. She's an aristocrat. I mean, Sally's a bit of an aristocrat. She's, so, yes. And if she wasn't an aristocrat, well, no, she was an aristocrat. Antebellum old money. Yeah, antebellum old money. And so she went to wherever they went to college, state. <laughs> state. State, North Carolina. <laughs> but it was really interesting to me because right after I literally finished killing my husband, then got on this cruise. And I, the first place I went was North Carolina. So I got off the plane and I was in North Carolina at Charlotte Airport. And I thought, well, here I am. It's so wild. That's the wildest thing about being an actor is that then, and then I went to South Carolina to Charleston. And, you know, but it's so much fun. I mean, it's fun. And, you know, I'm a British parentage, my British roots, and British people do love doing Southern accents, oh, even though I do. speak with an American accent. I mean, that's what, you know, Scarlett O'Hara, I mean. Oh, they do. She was amazing. And there is something weird about the fact that I think it's easier very often for Australians and people from to that do side Southern. of the to do Southern. Yeah. Because Mid-Atlantic, which is sort of what we generally call you guys, the, the flat, somewhat... Well, it's like the way you and I yes, speak. Yes, the way yeah, we, we speak we normally, are, you guys. We're, we're mid-Atlantic We're mid-Atlantic people. people. We're from the Mid-Atlantic. <laughs> and we like to speak with dulcet tones. That sound a little bit like we're on a talk show. But we, that's sort of where we grew up. And what's interesting is I think that there's certain accents from different countries. And yeah. I've always, my British friends always go to Brooklyn or the Bronx. Right. What we call a Long Island accent, Long which is this. Right. They can always do this. Yes. And they can do Southern. But right. doing the flat affectation it's sometimes tough. tends to be it's harder. It's a very gentle accent, so it's tough for them. Which is, and you know, we all hold Dick Van Dyke during Cockney, so I think we know that We've for some actors. That. And we're going to live through it again. We're going to live through it again. <laughs> very shortly. <laughs> now, Louise at... Okay, Reykjavik. Do you have any funny stories to share about working with Tony Goldwyn before Scandal? I know that you guys, we've talked about this a little bit on podcasts, that you guys have gotten, you had some naked play, didn't you, or oh, something? Oh, please. You name it. No, I have only done, I have done one, you know, like, how shall we say, revealing scene where there were bits, bits of clothing removed. And that was with Tony Goldwyn, and we couldn't stop laughing because we'd known each other since we were 20 and 22. So that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, so here we were rolling around. And then we were in a play together off Broadway in 2006 where I removed his clothing, much to the delight of the audience. I was just about to say, the ladies and gentlemen. The good news is I didn't have to remove my clothing, which go. was really excellent. That's the so job I want. I removed his clothing, and the audience was extremely happy. 
And Did they send so you thank you notes or they, give you they, any presents? They just, I could tell. You and could then, tell. And then, but <laughs> speaking of which, precursor, then I killed him. But we didn't see me kill him. We just heard, because it was based on Agamemnon and Clytemnestra. Of course it those was. Those fabulous Greeks. But Tony and I have been in, we were in an Irish play together playing Northern Irish uh, disaffected people called Carthaginians. It was a really good plot line. Um, it was about sex disenfranchised Northern Irish people waiting for the dead to rise. Okay, okay, that happens. It was good. It's good. It was a good time. So it's sort of like the Irish version of Waiting for Godot. Exactly. Okay. It was a, a hilarious play. We spoke Me driving down thick. the absurdist play turnpike, you guys. Just bear Just with for my you theater know. nerdiness. It's all great. Um, and we've answered sort of Judith um, at Judy's Online about your accent because she loves your accent too and good. gives you a good shout out for that. El Medina at SC Mimi 2007 wants to know, who was more surprised at the table read, you or Jeff, read the phone call at the end of episode 309? Oh, I've committed a sin. I think Jeff was because because I don't think he knew what was going to happen, whereas I had had a little birdie in the cast say, oh, by the way, you know what you do in this episode before we got there. So I knew. But then I was hoping that perhaps it changed because I really liked my husband, and I was sad to see him go. We all, by the way, love, love Jack. Jack Coleman. Jack is just, Brilliant. you want Jack and around. Funny. He's oh funny, he's great, and he's such a good guy. And yeah. God bless him, he died like a champ. You like know? a champ. He, and he, he lay went, on the floor he went for down a very, like a champ. very long period of time. Lizzie at Liz Criola, who's a terrific tweeter and we love, do you have any favorite scene in season three? Just anything in the Oval Office is always just, oh, it's just the best. extraordinary. And just to be in that space is always so thrilling to me. Oh, yeah. I just love it. I think the uh, the scene in 309 where Leo tells me that I have to be pro-choice. Oh, my God, the best thing ever. <laughs> Come on. I mean, just shut up. Forget best it. Best thing The ever. hardest thing for me, because I also was in Veep, is not to play for comedy <laughs> because uh, it was, I mean, basically our director, Oliver Bokelberg, who is our, also our DP, he said to me, you have to close your mouth because you are, you can't help it, but you are responding in a comic way to what he's saying. And I said, okay, I'm going to close my mouth now. How can I you said, not? <laughs> I said, but you know, honestly, when he goes, say it, say it. Say your pro-choice, say your pro-choice. I mean, I was howling. It's the best. Howling when we read that scene at the table read. Oh. And then we were shooting and I said, oh yeah, you know, when, when I open my mouth, that's, my, that's because of my experience on Veep, where I play, you know, the dastardly yes. senator yes. to Julia Louis-Dreyfus's hilarious vice president. Okay, so Kate seems to have a long drive with um, yes. lots of political, important yes. political people. Yes, it's true. And you also did your time on uh, Hostages, too, right? I did. Oh, yes, I was in the pilot, and then I ha then they released me. <laughs> we'll see. Because I'm in scandal. Um, future screenwriter at Spelling Geek wants to know, in light of what Sally's done, what would be a good theme song for her? Theme song, ringtone? I have to say I've been listening a lot lately to this, uh, because my, I have a 16-year-old daughter. So I don't have like standards. Cassidy? No, I, I'm a Cassidy in, in <laughs> Cassidy. pretend. In real life. I have my You're real life daughter. Cassidy. My real life is Charlotte. Charlotte. And we listen to a lot of songs, a lot of songs by Arctic Monkeys, which is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic band. Group, group of and people. their new album, AM, which I think is one of the most brilliant albums I think I've ever heard in my whole life. I mean, it is just incredible. So I've just, I think that's because I have that in my brain all day long when I'm playing Sally Langston. Okay, Arctic you guys, monkeys. I think that is maybe one of the most esoteric <laughs> answers I've ever heard to a it's question what I'm such to. as this. And I thank future screenwriter at Spelling Geek because I think that that probably impressed you, too, future writer at Spelling Geek, because it really impressed me. I mean, not I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die, Johnny Cash. No, not, no. Like, 
Because Anything. you see, I'm not. A, I'm yeah. always current with the she's music. She's very, very current. I'm current, she's current with, with the, the music. Kids. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this with us, you're Kate, welcome. and taking time out of your busy schedule. You're welcome. Um, I love you desperately, as you know, and you're constantly bailing me <laughs> out of trouble. Feeling is mutual. <laughs> and um, we go way, way back to the Grey's Anatomy days. So anytime <laughs> we can get Kate's tushy on a show, we're the happiest <laughs> Shondaland on earth. Wishing all of you guys a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, a Happy Valentine's Day, because that's about where we're going on this one. Wow. If you don't celebrate Christmas, but you celebrate another holiday around the holidays, I'm wishing you that too. <laughs> I'm inviting you to mark your calendar for Thursday, February 27th, when Scandal's going to return with all new episodes. And no repeats, you guys, just like this time. What you have to do is you have to suit up, buckle your seatbelt, sit in front of the damn TV every single week, and check out what we've got going on. No repeats. We need you watching 10 o'clock Thursday nights, ABC real time. And look, this time is going to fly by. It's going to fly by. We're leaving you on a really crazy, crazy cliffhanger here. You're going to come back and we have seen the next episode, let me say, not disappointing. Really, really, really good television. Really, really good TV. But don't you forget, because you can still tweet and you can still tweet us at Scandal ABC with what you think is going to happen when we return with all the new Scandal episodes using hashtag Scandal February 27th. That's FEB 27. Hashtag Scandal FEB 27. Plus, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Remember the official hashtag is hashtag Scandal. Pinterest, Tumblr, and of course, for those of you who are kind of like me, ABC.com, it's really easy to find. <laughs> you can usually get some episodes or some cool stuff. There are other nice television programmies. And please do not forget about The Grey's Anatomy, which is running on a similar schedule, I believe, and we'll be coming back around the same time. This is Betsy Beers. I'm going to take a little break. Hopefully we'll be coming back at some point with a podcast during the break, but for the most part, probably you'll be hearing me vaguely on Twitter. And you can go back and listen to some of the old podcasts. You should watch some of the episodes over again because there's always more stuff to find if you watch the episodes. Have a really, really safe holiday season. Have a great beginning of January. We're really looking forward to getting back with new episodes. This is Scandal Reveal, the official podcast of Scandal. I'm Betsy Beard. Bye-bye.